This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we still got a few moments with Catherine Swift, John Turley Urit, uh, and towards the tail end of the program into the home stretch, update the situation on the roads as well as the question to the audience of whether or not the testimony, powerful as it was and explosive with Jody Wilson-Raybould, really signals the beginning of the unraveling of the Trudeau government, or do you think this is something from which they can recover? Uh, I'm sure the spin doctors right now are furiously going over the notes, trying to figure out uh, a way to mitigate the damage. However, uh, as we have other things to discuss as well, since I've got you here and uh, you both are business oriented, you understand the lay of the land. Interesting where I'm hearing increasingly uh, from realtors and other in the punditry saying it's time to drop the stress test to help first time home buyers. It's actually had a detrimental effect in terms of uh, keeping them on the sides. You know, they can't meet the obligation. It's too onerous. And interest rates, the Bank of Canada has kind of frozen them as well uh, because the economy is not as overheated as they might have thought it was going to be. Uh, So, John, let me start with you. I mean, time to drop the stress tests? Were you listening to pundits standing beside their for sale sign? That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) I mean, the market has certainly uh, cooled down uh, tremendously. Mm Look, you know, the folks who are at the bottom end of the market just getting in are undoubtedly hit hard by the stress test. And and the fact is, is that the reason that was put in is to ensure that those who bought into the market could afford their payments when interest rates go up. So my view right now is that I don't I don't see the need to remove the stress test. I think we're still looking at higher interest rates, you know, in the next year or two. Uh, there's no question, though, it slowed down, but we were going too, too fast. And, and the result of that could have possibly been uh, much worse than what we're seeing right now. At least right now, we have a stable housing market. Uh, we have people getting qualified who can meet higher interest rates. And that's what you want. What you don't want is a continuing growth and bubble. I mean, in 2017, that the, the prices for houses were, were skyrocketing. I mean, right. it's just, it, it was getting outrageous. And there's also the question of affordability as well. I mean, we, we want to try and maintain an affordable housing market. It, it, you don't do that when anyone can get into the market. It just drives the, the prices through the roof. All right. So it was cheap money and people were taking advantage, but leverage to the hilt couldn't meet their obligations. So you think the government's insertion into a free market, Catherine, was the right approach? No, I don't. And I actually think they should get rid of the stress test. Um, I, what I would, what I would rather see, if you know, there's all these different instruments that you know that you can you can lever to to affect the housing market. And I would prefer to see things like um, larger down payments required, for example. And they did they did alter that somewhat, um, rather than the stress test itself, because it's just it's it's just it, it's theoretical. If interest rates were to go up, you know what I mean. And and that part of it bugs me. Uh, so I I would like to get rid of the so-called stress test. And and if you're going to diddle around, diddle around with some of these other factors, like, for example, down payment or amortization periods and things like that. Would you keep a foreign buyer's tax? I don't, I don't really have a big problem with the foreign money. I think, uh, you know, yes, it does affect the market, no question about it. But I don't think, it, well, I guess it depends which market you're talking about. I don't think it was as big a factor as in Toronto as it was obviously in Vancouver and right. so on. So well, I, even- I don't think I would in Toronto. All right. Uh, So a lot of speculators come in, offshore money, and uh, it drives up, you know, the price on supply and demand basis. Well, Uh, look, I have some some sympathy towards a foreign buyer's tax. Uh, Also, uh, you know, one of the concerns is is money laundering. I mean, we've seen stories out on the West Coast is the amount of money being laundered through real estate is, is unbelievable. And, and do we really want to be a country where, you know, folks who are gaining money illegally are, are washing it through our housing market? 
I mean, I don't think we want that. I think we, there's some real problems with that. And also, you know, do we really want to have housing like they did in Vancouver? Do we want Toronto houses sitting empty where people just buy it and park it and wait for it to go up? And meantime, people can't find housing for their family who live here. I don't think that's a fair. Well, why can't uh, you equation. just deal? Why can't you deal with the money laundering thing separately, though? I don't know why you can't just go after the money laundering part of it. And well, know. I mean, it's easy to say, but it's not a challenge to implement. The thing is, is that we've been going after it for a long time, but it's not very effective. I mean, it, it comes down to real estate agents, how deals are done. It is far more complicated to to shut that down than than people realize. And finally, I've got to ask, because this uh, surfaced as a story maybe nearer and dearer to a lot of Torontonians' hearts than some of the other stuff, political and economic, that we've talked about. Uh, the city of Toronto is planning to ask the province to allow it to sell booze before 9 o'clock or at 9 o'clock in the morning on the weekends because people want to go in and have a Caesar at, you know, uh, with their brunch or a mimosa or something like that. Is that a good or a bad idea, Catherine? Oh, it's a good idea. Who cares? <laughs> I, I, really? I, I well, mean, but Toronto, the good, we, you know. We, we, you know, we're we're all old enough. I suspect maybe John isn't, but I, I know I am. <laughs> uh, when you went into a liquor store and you practically felt you were doing something illegal because you had to, you know, the bottles were all hidden and you had to figure fill out this piece of paper and you know the 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 sanctimony, you know, of of, of people who put ridiculous restrictions. We still have, I mean, the Ford government says they're going to loosen up the rules with respect to when liquor stores can stay open and, you know, private sector players and so on and so forth. I I don't, nobody's going to drink anymore, I don't believe, because you, you know, you make it able to have a mimosa well, at they, nine in the morning. They <laughs> think we're getting onto a slippery slope here. And well, uh, I think it's a great thing. I mean, on the golf course at 1030, sometimes you want a beer. You've been out golfing for a while. It feels like afternoon, right? You raise a good point. What about shift workers too? They want to come off shift and uh, have a beer at uh, 845 or whatever. Or sometimes you wake up and you want to keep that binge going, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or you don't even wake up. You still well, want to keep the binge we're, going. We're big people. We can. I, I remember when I was young, very young, going through Europe for the first time and being on a train that I had just woken up from being on an overnight train and it was like seven in the morning in Munich or something and everybody's got beers on the platform in the the train and I I think we're big people now we can handle this all right you know what's interesting in Quebec they're actually looking at uh, changing the age for which you can access legal marijuana now that's legalized across the country you know it's 19 Quebec, when it came to drinking, it's 18, but they want to make marijuana. You can't access it until you're 21. Uh, And some of the argument is physiological, I guess, because, you know, the developing brain. Do you think there's any merit to that? Extending it to uh, 21. You can't uh, smoke or, you know, access legal pot till 21. You don't care. I don't think so. Okay. You'll have a, a, a if, toke with your mimosa at 9 o'clock in the morning at Allen's on the day. Precisely. Okay, I got it. Chew, chew your edible or whatever. But, well, the, the medical profession <laughs> says the, the, key, the key age is actually 25, right. interestingly right. enough. So yep. even the 21 wouldn't skin that cat. I think you'd have trouble, well, too, with different rules for And how are you going to enforce for, that, too? Exactly. Booze it's, and marijuana, different rules. Uh, all right. Foolishness. Well, we'll let everybody chew their edibles. By the way, that skin the cat was just a figure of speech, and she didn't really mean that because um, you no. Oh, oh, you're uh, right. <laughs> Swifty, you're going to hear it. Uh, I appreciate you coming in. I know you got to run off to other engagements. Thanks for coming in on this snowy Wednesday afternoon. Catherine Swift, former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and current spokesperson for Working Canadians. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.